The NRL fantasy season is done and dusted. We're here to sift through the uh, the wreckage or the glory or whatever it happens to be. Uh, thanks to our sponsors at UE for the final time this year. My name's Chris Kennedy. I'm joined in the studio by Dom Brock. Dom, the um, the dust starting to settle now. Are you happy with your achievements? Uh, yeah, it was a bit of a bittersweet end of the year for me, I think. I was minor premiers in a few head-to-head leagues, and I don't think I won any of them that I joined this year. So um, overall points did quite well, finished in the top 100, but didn't win the head-to-head comps, which is where all the bragging rights are in the office. So, um, you know, something to work on for next year. Maybe I'm feeling like the Roosters might be feeling in a few, in a few <laughs> weeks if they don't get the uh, big prize. I was a, a sort of similar but different. I... Um Thought I was finishing the year really strong. I had trades in hand. I had depth in my team. And then I had um, quite a poor, poor score or certainly below par score in the first week of the finals. Yeah. I got knocked out of a bunch of leagues doing that. I didn't have a great score the second week. Our office one, I managed to win those two. And then I had a monster score in the grand final, which um, was a little bit too late in most of my leagues. But it did get me the, uh, the office yeah, bragging rights. Bit of a wild least. week there, yeah, round 25. With it certainly was. Some big names flopping and... Um yeah, a few captaincy options were struggling, mm. so uh, yeah, that decided most of the comps. Well, before we get into our horror stories, let's have a, a quick recap of round 25, because it was a massively topsy-turvy week, and I think um, you mentioned captains. I think the captaincy choice has probably decided plenty of mm. head-to-head legs. I think you and I both ended up with Damien Cook, and we were yep. both regretting it a little bit after he uh, didn't exactly go nuts. Well, he get 40-odd in the first half on Thursday night, and then did nothing in the second half, but ended up getting more than Cam. Yeah, he got, uh, what, mid-50s, 50, 57 or something? Yeah. Uh, Cook, Cameron Smith ended on 40 in a bit of a dud performance for the Storm all round. They were um, down on troops. Um, Jason Tomalolo was the real disaster for people who went with him, ended on 28. Um, he was a minus five early on yeah. after a couple of misses and a couple of drops. I think yeah. it took him into the 20, it was first or 22nd minute to hit the positives. Bit of a weird game, that one. The Cowboys coming back to beat... The Titans in JT's last game, Thurston had a pretty good score as well. I don't know if anyone had him, but um, good way to finish his uh, fantasy career and actual career. Um, yeah, a few people who gambled on yeah, Tedesco's or Mitchell's um, as mm. captain would have absolutely cashed in, both of them getting 100. Yeah, I said um, in the, the video preview that Latrell was set for a big one against, we all know, you know, the Eels don't defend too well on that edge. All they had to do was get Latrell some early ball and he was going to score some points. But it's a brave move, captaining someone who was coming off 10 the week before. It is. I mean, in hindsight, I guess, a team that's aiming for the minor premiership up against the team that's going to come last, they needed to win by 28, I think, to mm. the Roosters to get that minor premiership. So they would have been going all out and attack. You know, it makes a lot of sense. Their two best attacking uh, outside backs would score well in fantasy. I wouldn't have thought both would have got hundred. I don't know if no, that's ever happened before. That. They got it in different ways too. Latrell obviously yeah. smashed through for the hat trick, and Teddy was just running like a man possessed. Heaps of meters, heaps of tackle breaks. Yeah. Um, so monster scores from them. Bad ones from Tuvasa Sheck, who had a last, quiet last couple of weeks. I think Tommy Turbo had a quiet game as well. So yeah, it was a bit. Um, a few random numbers in that grand final week for head to head. So um, you know, kudos for coming through with a. Um, plus 1,000, you get more than 1,000 last yeah, week? Yeah, 1,060 or something, I'll have to double check. Man, I was nice. just looking at the um, the player scores from last round, and I had the top four all in my team, so Tedesco and Latrell, probably most of us had. Yep. Um, Will Hopawati was my second centre, so I got about 100 and, 190 from two centres, which certainly haven't done that at all previously this year. And uh, and Mitchell Pearce I had, I think, as my 17th man for 83. He had a really good game despite the Knights going down. Um, so there's a few big scores there to uh, to enjoy. Um, shall we shall we delve through our own personal 
wins and losses through the season in a, a retrospective manner before we get into some uh, some fan mail. Why not? Have you got a few picked out? I do. Let's um, let's go through some horror stories because that's what we all want to hear. My um, my first real dud trade, uh, and then we're a few through the season. Um, the first really counterproductive one was in round six, where uh, Manly back rower Jack Gajewski had just mm. come on the scene. Looked like he was going to be playing big minutes and making a lot of tackles. And I had a um, a very rookie wing fullback named Jermaine Izarko, who wasn't doing a great deal at that point. He'd made a bit of money, and I thought yeah. you know, he's probably going to put on a score at some point this season, but he's not doing much. Time to sell him. Um, so I traded Izarko to Gajewski, who, um, who did make... Uh, 60 odd thousand in the next two weeks um, he got injured and scored 21 fantasy points in the following 15 weeks after that although I, I wasn't sitting on him for most of that uh, Jermaine made roughly $200,000 more uh, after yeah. that over the next 10 or 15 weeks yeah that does weeks. thing I did get I got Gajewski as well for some reason why do we do that I can't remember now well he it I seems think so it long was ago. the Sirenin injury yeah okay. early on and he came in he was starting row. and it's like 80 minutes second row yeah time to get him in but didn't quite work out. Did not go well at all. My um, round eight, I um, I traded out Corey Thompson, Robbie Rocco, which was that in itself was a good move. They both mm-hmm. made their cash and they started to go south after that. I think Corey started losing money and Robbie was out of the team. Um, but I traded in Scott Sorensen and Josh Dugan. Now Josh yeah. Dugan was looking like a um, you know even then we we're talking about how the centers weren't scoring well. Mm. Josh Dugan has come off a decent score. Bought him, broke his foot, and that was the end of him. So I traded him out the very next week. So that was a, uh, a waste of two trades. And Scott Sorensen um, scraped together a few dollars that weekend with a 30-odd. And then he got concussed and broke his hand the week after, mm. scored 10. And that was the end of him. So I sold him as well. Yeah, a lot of people fell for the uh, Sorensen trap there, unfortunately. Uh, Dugan, at one point, remember, was looking like the front runner to be the Sharks' long-term fullback because yep. Val Holmes was quiet at the start of the year. That seems like an eternity ago. <laughs> Holmes was amazing in the second half of the season. Yeah, I didn't have those two. I um, I avoided trading out Cameron Smith early on as well, which some people did, but I did ditch Andrew Fafita late in the season when we were panicking about yep. Aaron Woods arriving at the Sharks and whether that was going to hurt Fafita and Gallon's fantasy prospects. It did for a little bit, but not very long. Um, Fafita was great, especially in the last few rounds. Yep. Um, what else? What else? Uh, Jai Arrow I, I kept at the end as well. Um he was. Do you have him at the start and sold him? I had him, him and sold him and brought him back. Yeah, in short order. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those two weeks after Origin, when he scored twenty five, scared a lot of us. And then the next week, he scored fifty eight, and I think I just panicked and brought him back in. And then he had a bunch of quiet games again. So it turned out the fifty eight was the uh, the rare good score in the last yeah. last part of the season. Um. Yeah, and I think the other one was and a number of people did this trying to make Cameron Murray happen as a fantasy <laughs> fantasy gun. It just never really did. Um, yeah. End of last season, I think he played a few games at lock. Start of this season, he played a few early in the round mm. at lock when they were playing Sam Burgess in the front row. Thought it was going to be the next Angus Crichton. Exactly. Didn't quite happen. Um, but obviously, Fleming Sam got back in the number 13 jersey um, with his brothers starting up front and they just dominated all year and Cameron Murray has unfortunately been just a, a bench impact player. Still playing pretty well, um, scoring yeah. well for his minutes, but not playing 80 minutes. So never really a fantasy uh, buy, and I used heaps of trades on bringing him in and out all season. Any other horror stories you want to share? I think that's yeah, the main ones. I think that's pretty much apart from my uh, round 25 woes. <laughs> my other really dud move was, um, and I, I knew I was making a mistake at the time, and I made it anyway, was uh, two weeks to go, Ponga hurt, 
um, could have bought anyone. And of the, the fullbacks mm. who I didn't have, the choice was, was between Val Holmes and Tuovasa Shek. Tuovasa Shek was making about 300 metres a week. He was in all yeah. sorts of form. Like he's hitting form at the right time. We're heading into the finals. He's a fantasy gun of years gone by. I'll get him in. I'm not sold on Val Holmes. He's too reliant on tries. Even yeah. though I knew he had uh, an understrength Newcastle that weekend. Anyway, in those two games, he uh, Val Holmes, who I did not have, outscored Tuovasa Shek, who I did buy. By a grand total of 146 to 48. Yeah. So that hurt. Yeah, a lot of people fell for that. I would have done the same thing, except I already had two of us to check in my team already. So, um, yeah, you got to watch those uh, little runs of form for fullbacks or outside backs as well, I think. Um, yeah, that really stung. Yeah, both in form, but then uh, I managed to, to put one of them out of form pretty quickly. Yes. Do we want to do best trades? I don't have too many that I'm uh, keen to crow about. The uh, the one I'm happiest about was in uh, round nine. I started the season with Richie Kenner at mm-hmm. South, who actually uh, put in some decent scores, yeah. made a bit of money before he got hurt, and um, was checking the old late mail, and Bulldogs rushed in a, um, a guy named Reese Martin, who uh, a few of us had seen play for PNG and kick a few goals, and yes. I thought... Starting 80-minute back rower, time to sell Richie Kenner. I'm going to get Reese Martin in. I tweeted to everyone, you know, late mail, which Reese Martin's in, get him in fantasy, and uh, well, I got that one right. Yes, and so did I in the end. I was sending you panic messages in that last <laughs> hour before kickoff, saying, you're doing it, and you were adamant straight away I'm buying him. Uh, I was weighing it up, whether to take a look and see how he goes. You know, we've seen lots of cash cows come in and flop. Um, but he didn't. He was amazing. He scored try, try in the first 10 minutes. First touch. First touch. First yeah. touch in the NRL. Yeah, fantastic. Um, did a similar thing with Lockie Lewis. Got him straight yep. away, I think, this season, which mostly as a, as a cash out, hoping for a few points, and then he started reeling off mm. 40s and then 60s. Um, he actually looks set possibly to be a long-term keeper in the halves. I mean, his mm. scores at the end of the season were really good. His base stats are great. Good defender. A lot of kick meters, so he could yeah. be one of those guys challenging you know, Nathan Cleary's and uh, sure. Sean Johnson's and the like next season. Even his bad fantasy scores, he was scoring 50 and then losing a bunch yeah. in, in missed tackles, so his base stats were really consistent. And those kind of errors are going to happen in your first first season in the NRL. Yeah. It's the kind of thing he could uh, tidy up and start hitting regular 50s next year. So, yeah, a couple of bonus trades there getting in uh, real cheapies who mm. turned out to be... You know, borderline keepers. I made about 200k off Lockie Lewis and about 250 off AJ yeah. Brimson. I sold both of them right before they absolutely caught fire. I think. Yeah, yeah. Brimson, thing. I got rid of after that 20 when he got moved to fullback. I'm like, who's not going to get the base stats that he needs? And then yeah. he just absolutely started running him up. Do you think Brimson, just as an aside, is a is a possible keeper going forward? I think he averaged 40 for the season with a few quiet games early on. Uh, but he had those run of really big games at the end of the year. Most included a try or yeah. a try or save or two. Can he keep that up? He actually, watching him play, I feel like he got eight or nine try saves. But according to the actual stats, I think he only got three try saves okay. recorded for the season. So there's no, I mean, that wasn't blowing out his scores. Although I feel yeah. like he probably got um, hard done by with a few of them. But to your point, I think his running game's so good that the Titans with their forward pack and a, you know, who have they got coming in? They've got Shannon Boyd coming yep, in, Shannon I think. Yeah, Shannon Boyd's a big signing. Um, uh, yeah, there must be some more. But I've forgotten. Th- th- I think their team's going to be good enough if, if Brimson plays fullback that he's going to keep scoring tries. His running game's fantastic mm. and his defence is excellent. And he, um, the price that he's going to start off next season is going to be impacted by some of his quiet scores at 5'8". Yep. So if he starts at fullback, I think he'll be potentially an underpriced keeper. Yep. One to watch. 
Um, just a quick reminder before we get any further that NRL Fantasy is sponsored by Yui. Yui customers have saved over $1 million with Yui rewards on offers like $30 off Ticketek vouchers. Visit yui.com.au slash rewards for more details. Um, anything else you want to touch on from last week before we head into some fan responses? I don't think so. Let's hear some horror stories from our, our listeners. Well, not surprisingly, <laughs> our listeners have a few horror stories as well. Um, we'll start off with Luke Terracini, who um, he does have a horror story. This is this is a ripper. Um, round 24, head-to-head preliminary final, wanted to upgrade either Ben Hunt or Daly Cherry Evans in the halves in order to bring in Sean Johnson. Now, I would agree that bringing in Sean Johnson at this point is probably a, a good idea. Um, he ended up trading out Cherry Evans and keeping Ben Hunt. Now, I'm not sure I would have made that move, but uh, we're not here to throw stones because we've uh, we've all done similar things. Anyway, Hunt scored 35, Cherry Evans scored 109, and here's the killer, lost head-to-head by 10 points. Oh, that really hurts. Trading out someone who then scores 100. Mm. I don't think I've heard of that before. That's a, that's a new level. Yeah, I don't know. I'm keeping, sure I've done something almost that bad. Keeping Ben Hunt is bold. At, yeah, know, that's adventurous. form at the end of the season. Um, but yeah, losing by 10 after yeah. getting that wrong by 70 points, is uh, that stings. That does sting. Uh, Reese Kerr, flops of the year. Scott Cartwright and Croft in the team at the start. Huge clang as Reese Martin by the year for me. Well, I think we probably all had Bryce Cartwright yeah. now. I think we probably both said, don't get too excited about him being a 50-point player. Yep. He tends to struggle. The fact that he was starting at 13 and very cheap, you, you almost had to buy him, and he did make a few dollars before most of us jumped off yeah I think um, in hindsight it's a bit embarrassing that I had Cartwright in my starting squad and I didn't have Kikau in my starting squad yes Cartwright was a starter Kikau I think before kickoff went back to the bench uh, in which at which point I swapped him out of my team Uh, Kikau came off the bench and exploded uh, scored one or two tries had a huge score and was great from then on Uh, Cartwright I think he was in my team for four or five weeks at the start of the season. Mm. We didn't know what his role was going to be. There was hope he was going to improve. If anything, Mm. he went backwards, ended up going back to the bench. A lot of missed tackles. Yeah. He had a 38-odd in there that sort of bumped him along a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Nothing to be ashamed of there, I don't think, having Cartwright in your starting team this year. He was that cheap that it wasn't really that expensive to to have him. Brody Croft, I mean... He was kind of pricey. He was very underpriced based on his limited performances. We'd yeah. seen how well he'd averaged last, and also in the World Club Challenge at the start of this year. Yeah, after the World Club Challenge, the the general uh, word on the storm that everyone was saying was, oh, they've just got another Cooper Cronk. They've got Brody Croft. Mm. You know, he's going to be as good as. Which, uh, you know, in hindsight, was obviously a little too much hype. A bit um, premature, yeah. yeah. In and out of the team all year. If I'd not had... Brody Croft, I would have had Connor Watson, who ended up getting injured quite early anyway, so yep. I'm not sure it would have really boosted my personal team. I did have Brody Croft as, and yep. Bryce Cartwright, so I'm with you, Reese Kerr. I'm with you. Just looking at my round one team, I had, my props were Jesse Bromwich and CY Taukiaho. I had Takiyaho as well. Gee, that seems a long time ago. I didn't have... You've, you've been hoping for a Jesse Bromwich revival I've for a few years. with him every year for the last <laughs> three or four years and sold him by about round three every time. Could be... Uh, Time to, to say goodbye to Jesse Bromwich. Mr. Not-So-Fantastic, his story is uh, the Josh Dugan and Burgess, I assume Sam Burgess trades. Dugan in one week scores 40 out for four weeks. I did exactly the same thing. Mm. Uh, I never had Sam Burgess. Uh, he bought in Sam Burgess, scores 50 then out for two weeks with suspension, then form dips, um, traded Ponga for Roger Tuovasa-Shek with the last trade. I also did that. Yeah, a lot of people can uh, identify with those moves, I think. Bringing someone in and then getting them, seeing them injured in a week or two 
it always really hurts. Yeah, it's so unlucky too. Like yeah. there's some players you buy kind of realising they're not going to be good and then they're not good and you think, mm. why'd I do that? But yeah. when you buy someone who's in form and they get injured that week, it's... In saying that, if you had to pick, pick out two players who are going to get injured and suspended, <laughs> Josh Dugan getting injured and Sam Burgess getting suspended are not the biggest surprises. So. Not the most shocking turns of events, no. Yeah. Um, Cameron Ashcroft, uh, round... Ooh, this hurts. Round 16, Captain Callum Ponga. Who did, I remember this happening. I think the Knights had a, uh, a weak team and they were expected to put on a yeah, score yeah. and Ponga was in form. I had to yeah. double-check the draw. Um, Captain Ponga, when he got eight, when four of the regular captaincy choices mm. broke 75. I think that was his hamstring he strain. He went off really early. early. Yeah. A few people Captain Ponga this week. I remember it happening. Yeah. I mean, an injury, it's not necessarily a terrible call when someone gets injured. Obviously, you can't predict that. But in a week when the safe options get 70s yeah. and 80s, that uh, really stings. It's the reason why we tend to always go with a hooker or a back rower as captain. Um, then again, people yeah. who... Went the other way in round 25, cashed in with Tedesco. But um, yeah, it does that, work sometimes. It does hurt. Uh, John Campbell, mine would have to be the amount of times I traded in and out Jai Arrow. Mm. I think Don Brock's with you there, John I Campbell. Think, Started with him. That. Round two, traded him out to Raymond Faitala Mariner. Mm, okay. uh, round five, got him back. Round 10, traded him out. Then the rest of the season was trying to get him back and was four grand short of getting him back in round 18. It's a lot of trades on one player. Yeah, it's probably a good thing he didn't get him back at the end because he was. Yeah. Struggling, I think he came back again with another tweet saying his good news story <laughs> was that he wasn't able to get Arrow back in round eight, <laughs> and he traded for Mitch Pearce instead and got rewarded big time. So, well, there you go. Silver lining, silver lining's there. <laughs> These things. Um, Colby is odd. Writes in, how's my good luck story? Went with Farah as captain in draft. Farah, uh, this is for round twenty-five. So Farah only got thirty-one, and Jacob Little spent that time in the field. Mm. His opponent had Tamalolo and ended up winning by 24 points. So two gigantic dud captains in uh, round 25 in draft. Yeah, it's always funny, the uh, captain's matchup where you watch, as you mentioned, in round 25, uh, we both had Cook. He plays early in the round. He gets 50s. And you kind of think, oh, no, I should have gone Cameron Smith. I should have gone someone else. Uh, Kicking yourself for a day or two until the other games happen and you you see Smith gets 40. In this case, Tamalolo gets 28. And uh, turns out you didn't do so bad after all. Well, that brings us to the end of the uh, the reader mail. Is there anything else? Do you want to look forward to next year? Any breakout stars? Any must-haves? Any? I don't know. What lessons? What was your take on the new 21-man squad? Yeah, that's a good bench? question. It was I, a big um, change this year, really. It certainly was an adjustment. I quite liked... Um, I liked being able to have a good squad of sort of 19 and knowing that most spots were covered with a good player and I could have, like, for example, I cashed out um, at the end of the year, Lachlan Lewis, obviously too early, but I uh, cashed him out because I needed the money for Jamin Salmon, who was just yep. debuted for Para the week before and was playing 80 minutes and I thought was going to get 30 or 40 points a week. He ended up going back to the um, the bench at the end for Para. I think he got two in round twenty five, but he wasn't. He didn't affect me as an auto emergency because yeah. I had every you know I had another half you know Mitchell Pierce on my bench. Yep. Who, if I had you know Nathan Cleary was a late withdrawal, I would have got Pierce coming in and my eighteenth man play rather than um, you know getting hurt by an auto emergency. So if you if you do well enough to make sure all those spots are covered, I liked sort of that. It was a bit more security, I guess, but it also put pressure on you. There were so many teams who had four hookers on the bench by yeah. the end of the season that you know if you lost a centre, like people lost you and Aitken at the end, and they were going to grand finals with sixteen because they had maybe eighteen or nineteen scorers yep. but no centres. 
on the yeah, bench. Yeah, and that was always a thing we were saying from the start of the season, make sure you have cover, you know, at least one player covering every position, um, which, again, as you say, isn't that hard to do, really. There's a lot of, uh, you know, at the very least, you can get, you know, someone cheap who's going to give you 20 or 30 points at the end of the season. Yep. But, um, yeah, I thought it really freed up um, making trades where you can, you know, basically trade one player like a fullback for a hooker on any given week yeah. if you've got, you know, you stick someone on the bench, trade in a hooker, um, and then, yeah, work from there. So it, it made the 34 trades you have um, go a long way, I think, when yeah. you could, um, you know, kill two birds with one stone, get rid of a misfiring cash cow at the start of the season, bring in an obvious cash cow who's performing well and do that in one trade, even if it's a half you're getting rid of for a, you know, you know, Brody Croft out, kick our in. A lot of people could have done that mm. in round two or three. I traded AJ Brimson to Jake Travojevic a few weeks from the end, just and it, they were both on my bench, and the positions didn't really yep. matter. See, I, I did find that um, I don't know about relieving, but it was sort of a nice flexibility to have. Um, what did you make of the the loopholes? Because obviously, I don't think I don't know if you can possibly structure a fantasy product that there's no potential any loophole anywhere we've obviously always yeah. had the vice captain loophole where you you know you play your vice captain early in the round if they go really well you sub your captain off yep. um, there's various ways of wrangling that so it's more or less impactful the, the loophole we ended up this year by not having any captaincy loopholes is the bench loophole so you play um, an 18th man early in the round too if they go well you just sub off one of your other bench players and then your 18th man becomes your 17th man yeah so it happens because of both the um, the way the new ranked bench works, which I think was overall a big positive, as we've mentioned. But the fact we've still got a rolling lockout means you can keep making subs and trades over the course of the weekend. Um, and they're both individually good things. I think it's good to have the rolling lockout when someone, say, playing on Sunday is a late withdrawal on Saturday and you've got a whole day. Mm. Um, it's not like you need to be keeping an eye on everything every minute, but if you know a day in advance someone's out, you can swap them out or... Or if they're benched or something, you don't want them in your starting team. You can put them yep. in the reserve. So, um, yeah, it does open up the loophole. I'm not even sure. So I've tried it a few times this year. Mm. It backfired half <laughs> as many times as you know, as many times as it worked. So, uh, you know, that's probably a positive. It's not like this this obvious uh, advantage. Yeah. It only works if you're a player short. If you've got a non-playing reserve in your reserve somewhere in your in your bench. Um, mm. And it's a bit of a trade-off doing that because that means you're probably short in coverage somewhere as well. So there's a few risks to it at least. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if there's a way to close it easily next season unless it's no. getting rid of um, yeah, one of those two factors, getting rid of rolling lockout or getting rid of the ranked bench. So Yeah. Yeah. The only way to close all the loopholes altogether, I think, is to make it so overly restrictive that you then, it, like you said, if someone who's playing on Sunday gets ruled out on Friday or Saturday... Yeah even though you know about it, you can't take them out of your team. Exactly, so you yeah. sort of have to lock in the whole team pretty much on yeah. Thursday night, which then I don't think is particularly enjoyable. There's probably more complaints about that than there are yeah. with the loophole. So. And it certainly works against people who are very, you know, focused on their team and they are checking the late mail and they yeah. want to be able to be sort of respond to, to those sort of changes. So that, I think that would be more yeah. unpopular. I think being aware of the loophole in the first place, um, once you know it exists, then you can be ready for your opponents trying it uh, you can yeah. try to use it if it comes up. Um, and then, yeah, it's less of a shock if someone pulls yeah. it off against you in a head-to-head. 
well, in our head-to-head grand final, I looked at your team yeah, and you had Mitchell exactly. Pierce as 18th man. And as the game's unfolding, you know, with 83, I'm like, I just knew that he was going to be in your 17. Like, sure. It wasn't even a, a question. So. And that didn't help me anyway. <laughs> well, <laughs> not, well, Will Hopper-White, he obviously scoring 84, sort of put that to, to bed on the Sunday. What did you think of the cap? Because I found it, uh, I thought it was going to be quite, when I was trying to do my team for round one mm. and I just couldn't, if I bought two good players, it just completely yeah. wrecked the rest of my squad. And I'm like, this is really, really hard. But by the end of the the season, with a few decent cash cows, obviously guys like you know Reese Martin and Kikau making yep. 400 grand helped. Exactly. But um, I found there was actually a fair bit of cash to play with. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was unnerving at the start of the season just how expensive everyone was because the salary cap yeah. in the game was 9.4 million, but suddenly there was only 21 players to spend that on instead of 25 in previous years. So it was hard to get your head around there. But then, yeah, as you say, it, was, it seemed really tricky in round one to get a good, yeah. um, a good team together. I don't know how much of it was the fact that there were so many good rookies this year, so many good mm. cash cows. Or even someone like Cook, who was half exactly, price for a... Vastly underpriced yeah. for the, what turned out to be easily the best player in the yeah. game this year. Yeah, Reese Martin was massive. Lachlan Lewis made a lot. Kickout made heaps uh, straight away as well. Yeah. Um, so I think if you take out a few of those guys, even one or two of those guys, then it's harder to make that much money. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, it was a case at the end of the year where a lot of the really good teams had pretty stacked teams, you know, stars mm. everywhere. Um, they weren't all identical teams because of the bench. You could, as you said, some yeah. people had a bunch of hookers on the bench, some had you know, whatever other you know formation you you wanted really. But um, yeah, certainly by the end of the year, it was it was pretty easy. You know, if you'd made decent trades, picked up cash cows along the way to yeah. have a pretty star-studded team. Uh, I don't know if it needs tweaking next year or if it's just a case of if there's fewer big cash cows, it won't be such a mm. such a simple thing. I don't know. Yeah, there'll always be cash cows. We always The number of times we go into a season, like, oh, there's no cash cows, and then there's always exactly. there's always cash cows. So what's the next step? Are we, are we doing? So are there going to be meetings, focus groups, changes? Are we sort of steady as she goes? We, Who knows? We don't I, know yet. I think uh, the the big restructure this year was was the big change for the yeah. short term. So can't see any other massive changes happening next season. I think draft might be tweaked a little bit. It was mm. well, draft still on pretty much the old format. Right? Exactly. Yeah, it was uh, pretty much unchanged from twenty seventeen. So that might get a, a little facelift. But um, I think the game itself will probably go on as it is again next season. Um, yeah, I'll happy to take suggestions on the loophole if. You know, we can change that, but I think uh, we can live with it in the short term. I mean, you're better off at the start of the season, certainly, just picking. You want, for the majority of the season, you want 21 playing players in your team, which means there's no loophole option anyway. So yeah. I think it's really just a, a buy-round and late-season uh, option for most yeah, true. most people, and it doesn't necessarily help you that much anyway. For sure. Well, we'll, we'll wrap this baby up. Um, if you're still listening, that means you're probably as much of a fantasy tragic as we are, so keep an eye on all the uh, the social accounts and Loan Scout if we are looking for any feedback. Um, you know, Keep an eye on that over summer, and we'll keep you posted for any developments heading into next year. Um, for the rest of this weekend, obviously we're heading into a massive NRL final series. The uh, the Women's Premiership kicks off, which I'm really excited about. So plenty still t- uh, going on on NRL.com. Um, we do have uh, a new podcast. I'm sitting down with uh, Craig Wing this afternoon to talk uh, fantasy, uh, not fantasy, talk finals, um, the, the strengths and weaknesses of the various teams. Keep an eye out for that one. As always, uh, Zach Bailey and Jamie Soward are in. Um, their podcast is up on Thursday afternoon. Um, we've got a few panel shows. Women's panel show starts this week with Katie Brown. So plenty going on NRL.com. Heaps happening. 
thanks again. Uh, congratulations, everyone, for your seasons. Thanks for joining us. As always, know your NRL. Prove it. Enter the UE Fan of the Week competition and you could win your rewards partner vouchers each round. Go to ue.com.au slash NRL fans to see how. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next year.